Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Uh, draft week is here. And boy, I think for a lot of people, it is a little Christmas and late April. Ironically enough, it is the 25th of this month as we record this on a Monday uh, right around lunchtime, Kevin Bowen and Eddie Garrison, who you guys have heard um, filling in at various points with Chris Presley. Um, Chris is headed to a bachelor party. I've just returned from a bachelor party. And, Eddie, I don't know if I ever could throw a fastball very fast, um, but let's just say I look like a Reds pitcher right now, just coasting <laughs> at about 80 over the middle. Um, the bachelor party is certainly... Uh, got got the best of me, and um, thankfully, I think I'm done with them. So, yeah, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, we all have. Um, some people more than others. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm, probably, I'm sure some people feeling it more than others. But nonetheless, it is draft week. That brings a little energy, renewed life, and uh, I'm excited. But every year this time, you just get excited about you know learning more about it. Um, Obviously, the new players that come into the respective buildings, I'm always fascinated just how much things can shift with a draft. You know, it, it's such franchise-altering selections, and there's so much unknown that goes into all of it, and uh, we'll see it unfold here later in the week. Um, I know a lot of you asked about kind of a beers with Bowen, or we were thinking about maybe doing a cocktails with Kevin and Corey at one point. Unfortunately, we'll not be doing that. This year, just kind of some scheduling, logistical issues. So this podcast, I'll get into a lot of what we would have talked about. And the draft scenarios is one of my favorite things that we do on the pre-draft beers with Bowen. So we'll look at four different scenarios. Um, All of them, I think, have a theme to it as well. Um, The players probably, it's not exactly, you know, plugging, you know, for that pick, but I think for the most part, these guys have been projected in various areas around those selections, so we'll do that. Um, And then get in Twitter questions, as always. Um, I I do want to start here, Eddie, before we get into the scenarios. Just in general, when I think about the draft and I think of goals of this draft, I think the first goal, non-long-term quarterback because I get the difficulty in finding that and the kind of wishful thinking approach that goes into that. I do think a game-breaking wideout, you know, is just such a desired trait for many, many reasons. Um, A long-term option at left tackle, I think, is something that, again, a long and hard look at. Um, You know, you look at tight end, and I thought something that stood out of the Chris Ballard presser on Friday was just his appreciation for Jack Doyle. And it was just kind of a reminder of what you're losing in Doyle. It's not the flashiest, but he's just kind of the guy that, you know, his fantasy box score numbers might not catch your eye on a Monday morning, but you don't take a player like that for granted. Um, So I'm really interested to see what they do tight end-wise entering the draft. And then lastly, I think outside corner, you know, yes, you've made the move for Stephon Gilmore, but you know, Gilmore's going to turn 32 in September. Brandon Faison's on a one-year deal. And Isaiah Rogers, I think there's intrigue there for good reason, but at the same time, it, it, it's a big jump for him playing the amount that you're kind of projecting him to play at this season. So those are some of the goals that I kind of thought about draft-wise. Obviously, you can't check all those goals off, but those are the ones that kind of pop into my head. Yeah, I would totally agree with you there. Um, 
you talked about the tight end, and I think something I took away just based off of the tone and the way Chris Ballard was talking is that he is really, really high on Mo Cox being the number one tight end and Kylan Granson taking a step forward in his second year. So to me, heading into the draft, I don't think tight end is at the top of the list as much as you and I think it it should be because I was talking with Matt Taylor on Saturday on IST with this. They they have very minimal depth along the offensive line anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Because right now I think they only have one backup guard. And you, you other other than that, that's all they have besides their starting five. So, I think offensive line is going to be the biggest key for Chris Ballard in the draft. You know, it's funny you brought that up because last week we did our positional mock draft, and I went back and forth just kind of on that day three end of the draft offensive line pick. I ended up not going there. I went defensive end just because I think that's such an important position always to throw a dart at mm-hmm. in a draft. Um, but that was the reason why. I mean, you brought up Will Fries, I assume, is the only one that you're referring to yeah. as a backup, and he's barely even played in the NFL. Um, I guess before we get to those draft scenarios, I, let's do mention a couple of Ballard presser takeaways because um, I landed in Scottsdale, made sure that I dialed up the Ballard presser and caught the stream of it. Boy, he is really high on Mo Ali Cox being kind of that an earlier target in a route progression, in a mm-hmm. route tree, something like that. That is something that I noted as well. Um, you know, he certainly mentioned T.Y. Hilton. Um, it, you know, Frank Reich also mentioned T.Y. last week. I did find it interesting. And I guess this isn't too shocking, but I thought it was somewhat revealing as well that, you know, Ballard was asked directly, I think by like Zach Kiefer or somebody late, late in the presser, about if – have you told T.Y. that if he gets an offer and he's ready to take it, make sure you come back to us first? You know, one of those like, mm-hmm. now that's a big kind of negotiation type of tactic. I'm sure you're not trying to show your hand too much, but Ballard's like, no, we haven't said that to him. Which, again, I don't think it's the most stunning thing because we remember last year in the negotiation process, and, you know, Baltimore's a team that offered more and I think offered a little bit more years, but, you know, for that one year deal. That was something Jim Mercer sweetened the pot, and boom, T.Y. Hilton is back. And I know we've got a Hilton question in Twitter questions that we can probably wait on. Um, but seeing what happens with Hilton, in a way, reminds me of this time last year with Justin Houston. Obviously, very different backgrounds, mm-hmm. very different um, appreciation and fandom around Colts Nation for those two players. But certainly, Pay and Dio Dengbo, any door that was cracked on a Justin Houston return was slammed shut. Do you see the same thing? unfold here this week you know it's just kind of wild to think T.Y. Hilton's career could come down to you know a second or third round pick here in in Indy again I don't know if it's the exact same scenario to compare to last year but what happens with him this week I think you know is something to keep an eye on you know offseason during the season Carson Wentz being talked about as you know Frank wanted him Ballard had to be sold and so did Ursay. when you look at the ty situation do you think it's a little bit of jim wanting him back frank being open to wanting him back but chris not wanting him back because he knows he needs people in that wide receiver room that can stay healthy and stay on the field yeah that's that's a really good question um you could probably divide up all three of those guys and put them into different categories 
Uh, I, I have probably always been a little bit more pro bring T.Y. back. My stance at the start of the offseason was you bring him back, but you act like he's not even on your team, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, you, you, you make sure that you keep on adding to that room. Uh, he makes me sleep better at night if I'm Reggie Wayne, if I'm Frank Reich, if I'm Matt Ryan, frankly. Um, that's how I would approach things with him. I mean, there is – we've rattled off those wideout names. I mean, it's it's an unproven group. Like, that's not even a Moali Cox within mm-hmm. that that wideout group. So, um, it is probably of a here's our value. This is where we're at right now. And if you're Hilton, you're probably thinking in the back of your mind too, well, you know, what if I really wait and training camp rolls around and some super wide receiver – loaded team has a training camp injury and now all of a sudden i can go there and i can maybe win a title right you know something along those lines i do think there is an element of both parties want to achieve something there um, anything else ballot related i know i just kind of spurred that on you that that was really kind of the main stuff you know a lot of it is you play really coy i would push back on him acting like they've done the normal due diligence on quarterback i i i don't I think they've done more mm-hmm. than they usually would, um, which is smart, you know, when yeah. the current answer is 37 years old and his backup's a six-round pick. I think you definitely do your homework on the class, but I can't recall a prior draft where they've brought in, you know, two of the top four or five quarterbacks in the draft for a top 30 visit. Again, you only get 30 of these. It's not like you get 300 of these. Right. Um, and then working out Desmond Ritter, I get it. Cincinnati's got other guys. Alec Pierce is one of the 12 prospects that I wrote today in a story on 1075thefan.com that I think fits what the Colts are and what what the Colts will be looking for. Um, so I get that there's other people at Cincinnati, but at the same time, you know, you do go down there to work out Desmond Ritter as well. Um, I, I don't remember the Colts being this active at that position. I think the one guy that I was most intrigued by that I don't think they have worked out, correct me if I'm wrong here, is Matt Corral. That's the one quarterback I don't think they've looked at or yeah. worked out. You know, Corral's a name that I've always liked. Um, you guys heard Dane Brugler on last week or a couple of podcasts ago. And, you know, I, when I watched Corral and Brugler m- made that comparison, it really resonated with me. He's like a shortstop playing quarterback. He's very quick, mm-hmm. you know, with his movements and just his— He's got a cannon on His arm angles and, you know, all of that— you you really really like I know there are some you know decent amount of questions about him off the field um, I, are they all valid are they all fair you could probably debate that but we know what quarterback means we know how quarterback is viewed leadership wise i.e. look at the guy that walked out the door this past <laughs> year uh, there's a lot that goes into that position in every team's eyes but I think the Colts eyes even more so Corral is a guy that I've always kind of been hmm tell me more you know let me let me hear more um, I know I've had a former crowd teammate reach out to me and be like, he is everything you want for in terms of rally around him, that sort of element. So um, as we get deep into Thursday night, Eddie, every year you see it. I've seen some mocks where, you know, Malik Willis, Kenny Pickett are both in the top 10 and then it's a long wait. You know, I've seen some where Ritter's in the first half of the top of of the opening round. You know, mm-hmm. What happens with Carolina at six and um, – I mean, hell, you probably start with the Lions. I, I don't think it's that early, but like you get to Carolina, you get to New Orleans, you get to Pittsburgh. You know, some of those teams that Washington. are out there, Washington, uh, do teams start to trade into the first round late? You know, you saw it with Lamar Jackson. You know, obviously the 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 Jordan Love intrigue a couple of drafts ago as well. So um, it'll be fun to watch, and, and that's that's the beauty of what Thursday night is all about and the unknown of it. And then we'll see if anyone's sitting there Friday. 
and they get taken early. You know, Derek Carr, if I remember correctly, was a pretty early second round pick. Um, so it's not often that you see quarterbacks come off the board that early in the mm-hmm. second round. Typically, if you want them, you'll go get them late first. So how do teams go through that? Will be something um, definitely to watch. Um, all right, should we get in these draft scenarios? Let's go. Okay, um, go ahead and throw. We got four of them. Um, Want to bring them down one by one? Yeah, let's do that. And I guess in order, Eddie, it'll go like this. Heavy short term is kind of how I look at the first scenario. The second scenario will be a little mix of both, a little long, a little short term. And then the final two scenarios involve a couple trades. So go ahead and throw number one at me or letter A. In round two, you say Colts select Sky Moore, wide receiver out of Western Michigan. And then in round three, tight end Greg Dolchich from UCLA. So, again, I view this as the most win now. You know, you're going pass catcher, pass catcher. Um, if I were going to rank your 2022 needs, it'd be wide out and tight end. Like, right here, right now, where do you need help? Um, you know, Sky Moore, for me, Eddie, is a really unusual prospect in the sense of, you're talking about a guy that has elite game-breaking speed and also extremely good hands. You know, usually you don't get that. Uh, marrying those two traits are very, very difficult. Um, you know, I've heard you know, people compare him, and I loved watching him in college, and he's had a really nice NFL career. I'm pretty sure he's still trying to keep it going, but some people have compared him to Golden Tate, you know, mm. playing a little bigger mm. than his size. I think that's high praise for me. I always thought Tate played extremely big. Um, for his size. Dolchich, you know, you don't find tight ends too often with the big playability that he produced at UCLA. Known for his receiving. And tight end, I can get talked into a lot of things here. What do you want? Finding a Doyle inline blocker is really difficult to find. Um, You could probably find reliable, professional, dependable, and other attributes. But again, in today's college football, man, we're going to keep on getting further and further away from really good inline blockers. You know, Doyle was undrafted, wasn't even high, highly recruited a kid out of high school. Um, and Mo Ali Cox is a basketball player. And yet both of those guys, you know, have ascended to the top of an NFL, uh, NFL depth chart at that position. So uh, it, it's difficult to pinpoint exactly what you want here. But again, I looked at this as heavy short term, heavy win now, wide out, tight end. I can see both of those happening. I still think left tackle or some depth along that offensive line is such an important piece for them in the offseason because you need to keep that 37-year-old quarterback healthy. Um, and then, you know, you may have an alternative option down the road uh, in the future. If Matt Pryor doesn't work out a left tackle, you can slide in whomever your draft pick is in that second or third round if he pans out to be somebody. Yeah. Um, and, and one of these scenarios will have a, a tackle in it. Um, you know, finding that guy at 42, is that something that's a late run in the first round as well? I mean, that position, if you look at draft value, Eddie, it's right up there with quarterback in terms mm-hmm. of finding guys that have to come out of round one as well. Um, it seems like lately tackle has started to get mocked to the Colts a little bit more from some draft analysts. Um, so I think that knowing Chris Ballard and his philosophy on the trenches, you know it's something to keep an eye on as well. And I said it last week, that position is much more of a win now than I think a lot of people would point out. Mm-hmm. You know, you obviously mentioned 
Matt Pryor, but we know, Eddie, how much you can rely on your backups to start over the course of a season within the offensive line. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a good point to make. And then also something we didn't know uh, from the Ballard, the overgraded and overrated comment about the wide receivers. That's kind of where my thinking is with this, too. It's like, okay, guys, it's overrated and overgraded, so don't be surprised if we don't go there with that second overall pick a la JMV if he doesn't hopefully jump out the window. <laughs> no, it, it, Ballard has never been, clearly, he said it on Friday, but he's never been a big wideout guy. Always feels like... Um, too many, too many of them are graded. You know, like you said, overvalued, overgraded on, on Friday as well. Um, you know, he's drafted Pittman thirty four. I mean, Campbell's a bit later in round one, so he hasn't shied away or round two, I should say. He hasn't totally shied away from drafting that position as well. Um, but I think there are definitely certain attributes, and we'll we'll get to a wideout name a little bit later in, in one of these scenarios that um, probably checks some boxes, definitely doesn't check others for the Colts, but that's part of when you get into round three, round four, things like that. You're at the mercy where not everyone is going to check all those boxes. Scenario B, round two, you say take a quarterback, Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter, and then in round three, you turn around and grab a pass catcher in Calvin Austin the third from Memphis, wide receiver. So again, a little long, a little short term here. So this is a little bit of a mix. Um, will Ritter get to 42? I haven't seen many mocks where he maybe gets this far. So, you know, insert your Sam Howe, insert your Matt, Matt Corral. And I don't want people to get too enamored with the players necessarily that you have slotted, that I have slotted here. You know, this could be a little bit of everything. But basically it would be, do you go quarterback, and then do you come back and go wide out? Um, again, this passes the test of, all right, the most important position in sports gets a pretty valuable resource tutelage and grooming under Matt Matt Ryan and at the same time you come back in round three and you draft a speedy wide out and a guy like Austin mm-hmm. um, you know since 2014 you've had every team in the AFC that's taken a quarterback in the first three rounds besides the Colts um, I, I don't use that stat to rip the Colts I use that stat to point out how a lot of teams around this conference have viewed that position um, now obviously Andrew Luck was on your team from 2014 to 2018 under that stat, the 2019 draft as well, um, because he retired in August of 2019. So um, I fully understand why you haven't gone that route, but it's just a reminder of when do you start to, again, throw more of the, I've made the analogy before, swinging the different types of baseball bats, you know? Yeah. this is a little bit more of a cork bat (laughs) you'd be using than, you know, some of the duller bats that maybe you've tried with an Ellinger with an Eason as well. I mean, Ellinger was what? Pick 200 something. Eason was pick 120 something. This would be pick 40 something. I mean, we're talking 80, 100 spots in between those, those selections. That's a lot when you're talking about quarterback as well. Um, Again, Austin, give you speed. If I'm looking for a trait to kind of compliment Michael, Michael Pittman, I, I won't mind more of a possession guy, but I would probably put speed above possession before that. Um, it's kind of weird to say, but I would slot Reggie Wayne into this group. I think the Colts would be well-served to have a normal wideout. And I know that's kind of a weird word to use, but yeah. like Reggie Wayne to me was pretty normal in that he was consistent. He didn't wow you with athleticism. He wasn't take the top off the defense. He wasn't 
six five two fifteen either. He was, he was and instinctual. smart, instinctual. That's a great word to use. Um, very good route runner um, and reliable. And, and that is something that I feel like can you find that in this draft as well. A uh, bit greedy there maybe, but again, scenario B to me is a little bit long-term, a little bit short-term as well. I would err more on the side of pass catcher who's a who's a possession guy is what I meant other than speed because when you look at the current quarterback in Matt Ryan I don't know how much he's got left in the arm to throw it 45 50 yards down the field yeah so I mean if, if you've got a guy who's fast but you can't utilize him because of the quarterback's inability to really get the ball down the field then it just doesn't seem like a great fit with that specific quarterback, especially if he's viewing this as a longer than two years or at a minimum of two years. So I could see them going more of the possession route kind of guy. Um, Hopefully somebody like David Bell. Uh, He's a smart guy, but I know we'll talk about him later, but that's just kind of where I stand on the difference of the two. It doesn't hurt to have speed, but that's just my personal opinion about possession versus speed with the current construction. It's a very good point. And again, I think it all comes back to how are you viewing this draft in terms of Matt Ryan's presence? Do you view it in that the he's 37 years old, he's going to play two to three years, and the window's shrinking for some other core guys, you need to go all all in. I know it's been a big phrase this, this offseason. Um, is that where you go? Or... You know, do you decide to be a little bit more patient and realize that, hey, Matt Ryan, you hope is here, but it's no guarantee. Uh, we just need to draft the best football player, period, and kind of move on from there. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, scenario C, trade up. I'm pausing for effect here. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. Um, I Into the first round. Into the first round. You would probably have to get into, like, what, the 15-17 range? Go ahead with the name. Jamison Williams, wide receiver from Alabama. So, under this mock, I, I actually had them into the 20s. Um, you'd be giving up your third-round pick. And basically, again, it would be more of kind of an all-in move for a guy like Jamison Williams. Um, I... I Let's not get too locked in on the name of the player here because I've seen mocks that have Williams going top 15, to your point, Eddie. I just saw a mock a few minutes ago that had him going 29, I want to say. What I'm getting at with this scenario, and we try to cover all of the bases here in, in these four scenarios, is do you have a player ranked on your board in the top 15? And if that player starts to fall, do you feel the urge to trade up? And back to the Matt Ryan thinking of how much he should weigh in on your draft. If you are thinking, wow, that wideout we think can give quick impact, instant impact, that's not something that every wideout can check. Should we do something a mm-hmm. bit um, risky? And moving up, you know, 15 or so spots. Again, you're going to give up a lot. Under this scenario, you're going to give up that third rounder. So you're going to pick, you know, whatever, once at 25 and then not again until 100 or, you know, something like that. I mean, that is, that is rich. Yeah. Uh, but if you can pencil in 900 yards and five touchdowns or six touchdowns out of that player, is it worth it? Also, you know, wideout is the name here or is the position, I should say. 
Eddie, are we getting to a point now where wideouts are being so coveted that you look at them as like, hey, you want to get in the first round because you want that fifth-year option mm, on that wideout. Think yeah. about the wideouts that have, quote-unquote, demanded trades or having difficult contract negotiations right now. Debo Samuel, second round. A.J. Brown, second round. D.K. Metcalf, second round. None of these guys have that fifth-year team option mm-hmm. on those deals. I do think that is a factor in some of this. Certainly Tyreek Hill, granted it's a little bit different with how late he was drafted and he's deeper into his career. Uh, but I think that is something as well that That's a really good point. that that you kind of have to look at here. So, I get the likelihood of this is minimal, but I want to throw it on the board just so we're going to see kinda, if it sticks, yeah. Yeah, you, you, well, yeah, and just to make sure of like you hear this thrown around a lot and it's like, okay, let's get a little deeper into it. What would it look like? Why would you do it? And what are the ramifications of it? I like that. I like that idea because that's something I hadn't thought of. Um, and when you but ta- does Ballard view it in that light too? You know, yeah. that's you, yeah. You know, to, to to your other point, like it, again, to me, it's like the money, and I guess this gets back to the Debo Samuel thing. But the money and the draft picks and the extension and all of that that would have to go in for him. Yeah. It doesn't seem to check a bow box. This sort of trade doesn't seem to check that either. Uh, but if Ballard looks at things and is like, man, you know, at some point, if you're going to commit to that position, you've got to commit to it in the draft. Like, there's no way you commit to it outside of the draft because the price tag is just skyrocketed, whereas the draft is a little bit more manageable. Um, there are kind of defined parameters around that. Is that where you go right, right now? Yeah. Now you've got me thinking. <laughs> well, that's that is the goal um, of the podcast. But yeah, it, it's just something that kind of popped in my head, and we'll see if that's how it unfolds or not. But yeah, your final scenario: um, you say to trade back, you move back later into round two, select offensive tackle Tyler Smith from Tulsa. You pick up a a third round pick. Um, I don't know if this would be the Colts pick and you draft tight end Jelani Woods from Virginia. And the other third-round pick, a name that is very familiar to Indiana football, David Bell, wide receiver from Purdue. Okay, let, let's go here, Eddie. Um, it's a trade back. I think I did. I used Green Bay, I think, for this scenario. I know Green Bay is not a very high trade-up team, but let's not get too caught up into that. Basically, you'd give up 42 and 179. So you give up 42, which is your second rounder. Mm-hmm. 179, I believe, is the end of round five. Is that second, fifth round pick the Colts have, compensatory pick. Uh, you would then get Green Bay second. So you move back 11 spots in the second round. And you'd gain their third rounder, which is a lot later than your own third rounder. It's 92. I believe the Colts are at 73. I think it is with their own third rounder, which they got and moved up with Carson Wentz trade for that so how I view this Tyler Smith offensive tackle Jelani Woods tight end wide receiver David Bell it is checking all three boxes all three boxes with that uh, I go tackle tight end wide out because that's probably how the scarcity of it is ranked you know if you go to the grocery store and it's you know three items looking back at you and the item two and three are a little bit deeper on the shelf there's more of them there you might not walk down the next aisle and say oh yeah i'm gonna come back for that one just solo item standing there you realize <laughs> yeah. oh shit if I, if I don't get that now 
you know, I, I I might not be getting that. And again, look at how left tackle has been drafted in this league, Eddie. It is mm-hmm. heavy, heavy first round um, resource put into that. So um, this is the thinking of: Are you relying on your wideout depth? I also point out trade back for this reason. Um, one of those trade value charts came out. I think it was last week or something, and the Colts were. I want to say like 28th or 29th in draft capital value out of 32 mm-hmm. teams. It's very against how Chris Bauer usually is entering draft, but that's part of where you're at right now with the trade of Carson Wentz and all that. This would be a step in, I think, trying to kind of mitigate some of that and give you a few more quality darts at the board here um, with that idea. So, you know, Smith, a lot of, I mean, could he be, go in the first round? Some people think Jelani Woods, an incredible athlete, some development there needed. You know, David Bell, uh, this is me just kind of guessing. I don't know how high he is on the Colts board. I think he checks a major character attribute. Mm-hmm. I think he checks a major how he's wired attribute. But the Colts are big believers in testing numbers, big believers in it. And we know Bell did not test very well at all. And so, what would that do to his stock? I see a lot of people quickly mention, well, you know, Cooper Cup didn't didn't run a good 40. Well, Cooper Cup also had eye-popping, short shuttle, like three-cone, those numbers. Mm -hmm. David Bell struggled with those. Um, So, that's kind of, you know, getting out of routes, things like that. Now, Eddie, I don't know how many of the listeners of the podcast, like, understand the Indy 500, but it's probably a little bit of Jake Query rubbing off on me. Oh, no. who's Who's our morning show host? Don't let him hear this. <laughs> but I use this analogy with Bell of his qualifying speed might not be the fastest, but one thing I know about David Bell is you take the Indy 500 and you realize it's 200 laps, he's going to hit his mark through every turn. And over the course of 200 laps, a guy that's confident, comfortable, yeah. knows where to go with his car or knows how to move on a football field – he can make up for a lack of speed then, oh, there's you know Usain Bolt over there running 4-2, <laughs> but he doesn't know how to run routes and separate and you know just look comfortable and calm out there. Uh, that is what that's how Bell looks to me. Like every time I watch him, to me, he moves at a much more confident speed than anybody else. Um, so that's why I do put him on here just because I think he can be a bit of an outlier. Um, but yeah, this is the trade back scenario here, checking a couple of different needs. The combine results on Bell, four six five forty, uh thirty-three inch vertical, uh three cone is seven point one four, and then twenty yard shuttle four point five seven. And let me look up really fast um how like his again testing numbers compare. I should probably have done this before. Okay, so his three cone Eddie, 19 percentile, 20-yard shuttle, 2 percentile for wideouts. Um, you look at, like, vertical, broad jump, kind of other explosion numbers, 21% and 32%. So I point that out to be like, this is not just a poor 40. This is a poor tester. Yeah. Um, now, Cooper Cup struggled in the vertical and broad jump as well. His three-cone, though, 83 percentile. 84 percentile for the 20 yard shuttle much much better numbers mm-hmm. um in that area so um, again that is not strengthen the david bell resume what i just pointed out but 
Um, I still think, you know, whether it's Anquan Bolden, um, Keenan Allen, you know, I, I, whoever else you want to throw out there, I am more of a believer than, um, you know, a lot of people. We had Matt Miller, ESPN draft expert, on the show last week, late, late, late last week, and um, he's got David Bell as like 143rd overall. That's I've like, seen him slipping a lot. I mean, that's like the bottom around four. Yeah. So it, it is crazy to kind of see um, his production and where now he is valued at. Um, to go back to where this scenario started with trading back, I think depending on how far you go back, you can maybe even still grab Sky Moore from Western Michigan. You think he could, he could drop? I think I've seen him anywhere between 42 and like the end of round two. So, so you're thinking if you trade it back here, you could get him at 53 with this green maybe green baseline. Maybe yeah. it all depends on how the dominoes fall. And obviously, to that point, wideout will be something to watch. You know, if you've got two or three wideouts grouped together there at 42, do you sit there and say, "Hey, let's move back seven or eight spots," and hopefully one of them will still be there, and then you make that that selection. So, again, this is what you love about the draft. Uh, but yeah, these are the four scenarios. Uh, do you have a favorite of any of the four? Personally, I like scenario D the most because you address the three needs that we've talked about right at the stop, uh, top of the the pod is that you need tackle, wide receiver, and tight end. You addressed all three of those. Yeah. Do you worry at all that it's not enough of the pass? I mean, you're waiting till round three to get a pass catcher, you know? It doesn't worry me just because of the how deep it is, the yep. draft class it it is, and you see receivers all the time, especially more so lately. You know, you find a guy in that second, third round. Amon Ross, St. Brown, for example, last year with Detroit really came on the second half of the year. Can you? And the cold schedule hasn't been released yet, so we don't know like how it'll pan out. But if you can get a guy in that third round, second round, maybe even fourth round. And he can, you know, progress over throughout the course of the season and then be a major contributor that second half going into the playoffs. I think that is what Chris Ballard and Frank Reich would want the most. Yeah, it's a good point. Very good point. Um, So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed those four. Which is your favorite? Scenarios. Um, That's a good one. Um. You know, I'm probably a little bit torn on on A or B, and a lot of it would just depend on exactly what you want of heavy win now versus trying to appease a little bit of both. Um, I think it's important to not just take quarterback off the board, and I know I'm in the minority with a little bit of that. I mean, I try to make all four of these scenarios as best possible, you know, given the the kind of thought process with each one of a trade up, a trade back, a win now, a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I like all of them, to be honest with you. Granted, I'm the one that put them together, so I better like them or else I'm just an <laughs> idiot. Um, I, I certainly hear you out on, on D. Like, I, I, I realize why that would be a popular one. And, hell, it's probably one of the more popular ones for a guy like Chris Ballard, considering trading back and how much of a fan he's been. And, you know, he has drafted pretty well in, you know, outside of round one. Um, into that round two and a little bit of round three in his time. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go with a little bit more of A or B, but I like all of them. Time to dive into Twitter questions? Let's do them. Not a ton this week. Wanted to focus just kind of on the draft-specific ones, but we still got about a half dozen to get to. All right, first one coming from Matt. 
barring a Hail Mary trade for Derek Carr, do the Colts look at Willis or Ritter at what looks like pick 10 or later? C.J. Stroud next year looks like a number one quarterback and tough get. Going up a bit this year to take Willis or Ritter would mean losing another year of a solid starter, but could be an answer for the future. Thanks again, KB. I appreciate that, Matt. Um, I guess what I would say is kind of, you know, what's a bit? You know, going up a bit this year to take Willis or Ritter. Uh, you know, Ritter would probably be a little bit more in your range than a guy like Willis would. Um, you know, I feel like if, and I guess I'll throw I throw this at you, Eddie. What do you think the fan reaction would be if you did a poll after the Colts' first pick and it's a quarterback? Percentage of and fans. Like they trade up to get the quarterback? Um, yeah, let's say they trade to pick number 31 and it's Desmond Ritter. Fan reaction, the percentage of fans that would like that move. Uh, I would say less than 25%. Yeah, I was going to say about 10. 10%. You know, I, I do think there's a little bit of smoke with quarterback. Now, a whole lot's got to happen for you to actually make that as as the selection. But as I pointed out earlier, I would disagree with Ballard on him saying that they've done normal QB homework. Mm-hmm. I think they've done a little bit more than just that. Um, but I look at this situation with – and I would say Willis and Ritter, two very different prospects considering how much they played at the college level as well. Mm-hmm. Sure, athleticism is a, an attraction to both of them, but – there's a whole lot of tape on Desmond Ritter, not as much on a Malik Willis. I guess I should say probably not as much at an offense and a level that you feel like translates immediate, immediately to the NFL. Um, so, yes, to, to answer your question, Matt, I could see them moving up, but I'm probably going to put it at pretty slim that they actually do. Because still, moving up, you know, 10 spots into round one, while that doesn't sound like a lot, when we just used a trade-up example earlier, when you take mm-hmm. away a third-round pick, holy hell. It is a lot. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from Joel. Hey, Kevin. I was listening to the Kevin's Corner Pod last week, and someone sent in a question via Instagram. I don't do Twitter, so hope this makes it to you. My question is, what is the best and worst draft pick or trade made in the Ballard era, and what are the long-term benefits or implications of those decisions? My best would be selecting Leonard in the draft. Worst would be trading away the 13th pick for Buckner. I wanted to see them move up and get Justin Herbert. Thanks for the pod and keep doing the great work. I appreciate that, Joel. Thank you. Yeah, we'll find you on Instagram or Twitter if you want to send in questions. I would agree. I mean, the best pick's got to be Leonard, certainly. Um, you know, the worst pick, first off, if you were clamoring for Justin Herbert back in 2019, you know, you should have. I hope you went to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> right then and there and, and, and use some of that. I I don't know if I slot trades like as being the worst pick. I think it should be an actual selection that you've mm-hmm. made. Uh, so I guess worse would be some combination of, you know, a lot of people I know want to throw out the 2017 draft. I mean, if you put, and I know this might sound violent, but if you would have put a gun to Chris Ballard's head the night before the 2017 draft and said, who is your fo- head football coach next year? He would have said very confidently, not Chuck Pagano. So Ballard should have been thinking about that draft as this is my football team. Yep. Ursay wanted to keep Chuck. <laughs> this is how we just have to operate for the year now. So what I'm getting at is I still count the 2017 draft as still under Ballard's watch. 
Um, so I would put Malik Hooker probably. Now, granted, suffered an injury very early um, into that season. Uh, but still, there were some kind of injury concerns, I think, coming out of Ohio State. Quincy Wilson mm-hmm. is probably one you could put high on that list. So, Who, who was the uh, lineman that's now in Pittsburgh that didn't even make Oh, yeah, Zach Banner. Yep. Yeah, I actually thought – I think he just got cut by the Steelers, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. I felt like Ballard was a little bit later. You know, fourth-round pick. You know, I don't know if I go that far. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would say Hooker, Wilson, or Ben, ben Banigou. I mean, Banigou was – what, 50th? I feel like he was right around there, and he can't even get on the field. At a position where you haven't had answers either, and you rotate a whole lot. So I, I might go there, and that was just bad projection. And Banner was a fourth-round pick, yes. Yeah, so I won't go that deep, but um, I would say Hooker, Wilson, Banigou pop into my head. But best, I think it's got to be Leonard, and I don't even know if there's really an argument for anyone else. It could be Quentin Nelson. Just because of the stability he's brought to that offensive yeah. line, too. Yeah, it could be. I, I think Nelson was like, wherever he got drafted, it was pretty obvious he was going to be a good right. pro. Whereas Leonard, I feel like, on draft night, it was like, what the hell is going you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, that's awful pick, blah, blah, blah. Michael, uh, this is this is from Michael, I should say. Your thoughts if an injured John Mechie is around at 42. He was really better than Williams most of the year. Pickens and Moore are the most common names I hear. I don't think anyone has David Bell going as early as 42. Yeah, Mechie, um, gosh, he's got a wild story, wild background. I think 42 is a hair rich for him. Just a hair rich. Now, again, you're getting into injuries where it's like, man, if they fall 15 picks because of an injury and then they turn yeah. out to be a great player, you're gonna look, um, you're gonna look stupid. Um, again, I I would say a hair rich for him, but not not too much. He had 96 catches, 1,100 yards, and eight touchdowns last year. Does it list his yards per catch there? Um, read off, read off the catches for yards again. Uh, average yards for catch was twelve this season. Um, last year in twenty twenty, sixteen point seven yards per catch, just under a thousand yards, and had six touchdowns. Yeah, so the big play is a little bit down this past year. Um, I like Mechie definitely, but forty two a little, little too early. I really like Mechie. He's the guy that I liked. He got hurt SEC title game, is that right? Uh, national championship game, I thought. Or was that? I thought it was Jameson Williams. I thought both of them got hurt as you break the microphone. God, dude. I, see, I do this about once a month in here. And then I, but I've gotten pretty good at just knowing how to just screw it right back together without even pressing pause on the old podcast. See that? <laughs> Someone let engineering know we've got a new engineer in here. Yeah, exactly. You know, the more you can do, don't they say that? Right. More valuable you are. Yeah, there we go. But I think Mechie would be a great slot guy Yeah. at the at the NFL level. And that gets back to what I was saying earlier, Eddie, of like kind of that the whole speed thing, slot, you know, as much as you want Campbell to be it. Yeah. It's time to probably get that thought out of your head. Uh, next question comes from Thomas. Love the pod. I don't miss an episode. Thomas, thank you. A guy we just talked about, how does Banigou continue to hold on to a roster spot? Doesn't even seem to dress as a third-year player. He just hasn't shown anything. I don't trust him as a backup or anything else for that matter. Yeah, Thomas, all valid points. You know, Eddie, I think this time of year, an exercise I do is I go through the roster, 
can you trade anybody for a day three pick? Who you know? Who, who's Quincy Wilson? Who's Hassan Ridgeway? <laughs> um, I know I'm forgetting somebody else that they traded for a day three pick, but Pierre Desir. What, what was that on draft day? Why did I feel like Desir was just flat out not? Re-signed? No, he was re- he was he was released. I think. But then part of me is like, does Ben Banigou even deserve that? <laughs> I mean, right. like, you know, is he even that? Which I I know sounds crazy. Um, the other thing I think we should probably think about, Eddie, and we've touched on this a little bit at various points during the spring, but you know, Gus Bradley's eyes, Gus Bradley's voice is different. That's good for Ben Banigou. He couldn't get on the field with Eberflus. Couldn't dress with Eberflus. Does he get a second chance, a final chance? Probably should be better put with Gus Bradley. I, that is something that's kind of popped into my head of like, we talk about defensive in depth a little bit on last week's podcast. And, you know, a guy that, you know, and Taekwon Lewis and, and Dio Dengbo both fall into this category is run down ends, but I think they slide inside on those passing downs. You know, your backup edge rushers. That is kind of what is up in the air right now. Now, Ngakwe has been incredibly healthy throughout his career, so maybe it's not too much of a worry for you, but that is something I think to think about with Banigou is just does he get a final chance because Gus Bradley is like, hey, might as well. I mean, yeah. first off, are you really going to get like a sixth or seventh round pick for him? Yeah. That's a good question. Um, Jason has the next question. Way too early roster question. Do you keep more wide receivers due to the lack of experience in that group? Um, Give that to me again. Do you keep more wide outs? Do you keep more wide receivers due to the lack of experience in that group? You know, probably not. I, I, I understand where the premise of the question is coming from. You know, I'd throw a couple on the practice squad, but I don't want to sacrifice elsewhere. I don't want to sacrifice a good player elsewhere yeah. to keep mediocre at another spot. Um, now, wideout benefits from the depth there can help you out on special teams and things like that. And you see a guy like Ashton Doolin that has you know, shown himself on special teams and now it looks like he's going to get a chance. The highest paid Colts receiver. At, <laughs> at wideout, yes, correct, on that. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm probably not viewing it in that light. Again, I understand where the question's coming from, but you got room on your practice squad and as long as the position that I'm keeping elsewhere has some meaning, a good amount of meaning to your football team. Cause I, I believe wideout does have that. Um, I don't view that as something that you should do. Two questions left. This one from Gary. Is it just me or does the bring back TY sentiment seem to be missing this off season? Yeah, what was it? Was that just hashtag bring back TY or what What was it? TY stay or maybe yeah. Chuck stay? I think it was hashtag bring back TY. Yeah, it's definitely quieter. Um, and, you know, it probably should be a little quieter. You know, even last year. I mean, a lot of this is kind of how we are as humans and fans of yeah. – we love the Hollywood endings. We love the feel-good nature. T.Y. I think has been a great pro throughout his 10 years here. Um, easily the best draft pick that Ryan Griegson made. Um, so all of that, I think, you like and you want to see him around. He's on the side of the building, and the casual fan knows his name a lot more than a, a lot of other Colts. Um, so for all those reasons, yes. Uh, but... You know, another injury early last year in camp with that neck injury, and 
Um, there is a time where you play that position, and father time gets to everyone. His mm-hmm. position coach knows that full well. Granted, that was a pretty big injury that Reggie Wayne suffered to kind of start his his end there. But I go back to the Ballard court on Friday. You know, I, I haven't told him, you tell me if you're going to take another offer. Like, I don't, I don't think it's like that. Um, but, you know, Gary, to your point, I, yes, it, it is definitely quieter on that front. I mean, hell, I'm probably one of the few carrying a torch of saying, I still think he's got <laughs> somewhat decent football left in him to the point where I'd be giving him five, six million a year. No way. To the point where I'd ignore the position as much as they've ignored it over the past month. No. But I still think he can give you something. What do you think his role would be if they were to bring him back? Like, what kind of receiver role would he be? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I I like to cop out and say, can I see what the rest of the depth chart looks like? I.e., no copping what, out. <laughs> what do you do in the draft? Because again, Eddie, this goes back to an earlier point, but it's like we just expect them to draft a wideout and then immediately pencil in that wideout for 850 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> right. You know, it, that's just not how it works. Sure, some wideouts have that impact, but other guys don't. Um, Judgment is clouded a lot lately with Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Or And look where they got drafted, you know? Um, so, I, I don't... I don't know. I can't I can't fully go to, like, you know, it's going to be an exact same. But what would Hilton's role look like? I mean, it, it wouldn't be too extensive. You know, 30, 40 snaps. He's obviously not helping you out on special teams. I get it. These are all reasons why he's on the open market on April 25th. Like, all of that is is part of it. I'm not saying on a table for him, but if the depth chart continues to look like this, it's a place I'd go. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> I mean, I just go back to the Matt Ryan arm strength part of this. Like, yeah, and again, can Hilton turn into a little bit more of a possession? Right. Guy? You know, is he ever going to be that? I mean, that was kind of always the thing. It was like, oh, River's going to be here and see why it might be more quantity than than quality. Um, you know, I go back to what Andrew Luck said to Chris Bowd very early in that tenure of, or even to Frank Reich. Like, I don't know how to describe it to you very well, but there's just an innate ability about T.Y. to get open. Mm-hmm. And it might not look exactly like you draw it up on a whiteboard, but he's got some of that to him. And how much of it was just Carson and him struggling last year? Um, get on the same page. You know, Carson's issues playing quarterback as well. That's probably something they, they have to factor in as well. Last Twitter question. That is coming from Michael. I have a question for next pod. What football podcast does Kevin Bowen listen to? Ooh. Well, Michael, I um, and Eddie, uh, feel free to share some of the pods that you listen to as well. I uh, I listen to a variety of kind of local podcasts, some not related to to sports. You know, I'm kind of look at podcasting as getting my news and you know what's going around locally, things like that. I uh, listen to a lot of golf podcasts. I listen to quite a few Notre Dame podcasts as well. Um, so I don't think that would surprise any of our listeners, but. You know, there is a level of, like, escape <laughs> yeah. that I like to get I with agree. the podcast. Now, I, I listen to several different Colts podcasts uh, because I respect my colleagues a whole lot. Uh-huh. Um, and I always enjoy kind of their insight. And when you have these people on your radio shows or things like that, it's good to kind of, as I break the microphone again, um, it is kind of good to know what they said on their podcast and Make sure I can ask them about that. Uh, I have listened. I listened to it actually today. I've started listening to the Robert Mays podcast a little bit. 
the athletic football podcast. Have you ch- checked uh-uh, that out? Uh-uh. It was good. Yeah, Dane Dane Brigon, who I like a lot earlier today. Um, how about you? Uh, I'm not much of a podcast guy. Yeah, which is uh, good to say when you're producing a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, just because I like to, you know, get away from it from a little bit. Right, 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 right. Just kind of, I'm, I'm a big, uh, I am a big serial killer Netflix. Ooh. And yeah. Okay. I, I love there. watching doc, like serial killer documentaries and movies and yeah, uh, and shows, but. I do listen to the, to some of the local podcasts. I listen to Kiefer and Holder. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Matt Taylor with his podcast on Colts Audio Network. I do listen to the, your pod. Um, so I mean, I do listen to some. But it's just not a lot, just because I don't want to overwhelm myself. Certainly, no. I I'm probably in the same boat, and you know, it's a large reason why people come here for an escape with it versus you know how we look at the football centric podcast. I'm probably forgetting some um you know i think adam Schefter has some newsy items and various podcasts so you know if he has one albeit i've had some issues with him um i do tune into that basically (laughs) again heavy notre dame heavy golf that's where i'm going for a lot of my podcast consumption Uh, anything else for you eddie Um, i'm currently holding the mic so it's been a good Monday workout for me. <laughs> uh, nothing really. Um, something I just thought of when we were talking about TY, just to go back to this real quick before we wrap it up. Yeah. When you say, like, you know, the production's kind of dipped a little bit from TY, I, could you make the argument that TY was kind of ahead of where the NFL was going? He was a faster receiver to get down the field, and now you see – a lot of these corners running sub four fives, four fours, even an occasional four three, like a wideout. So now that down the field ability of Ty to get open has minimized because of the speed on the defensive side catching up. Yeah, I think that's a good part of it. I also think this, Eddie. You know, as much as Ty has been a speed guy, he's never been a big like after the catch guy. Mm-hmm. You know, catch a bubble screen and then take it for fifteen or. Uh, you know, drag route and T.Y. just kind of run away. Like, there's that play in Houston, I think Bursett threw him a touchdown, you know, a handful of years ago where he literally caught a drag and just went down the sideline and scored. Jack mm-hmm. goes down the field blocking for him. And it's like for T.Y. running as fast as he does and did, mm-hmm. that's not really him. So uh, I, I do think it's part of that game catching up to him and just the deep ball has not been as a part of the Colts' offense too. That's probably something to point out for various reasons. As the quarterbacks have, you know, churned and burned here over the last couple of seasons as well. So, uh, what does Ty want? How does that unfold? I think it's super interesting to watch here over the next week. What kind of offense do you think the Colts will have this upcoming season? Because, yeah, you know, it, it's something that I think on last month's podcast, Chris and I touched on briefly. That ten to twenty percent mm-hmm. that Frank Reich mentioned would be different. I yeah. think it means. Obviously, less RPOs with the running element being a part of it. The deep ball probably does get pulled back a little bit. And when I say deep ball, maybe just kind of deeper various throws. I think your timing improves. I think offering more ability to catch the ball in stride, therefore make plays post-catch, yeah, yeah. should improve as well. Um, and just kind of staying out of – I mean, let's go back to the Chris Bauer quote to Carson Wentz at the start of the, the offseason and at the end of the year. Make the layups. Yep. 
And that's a damning quote if you're a Wentz fan, and clearly we saw what happened there. Um, so, yeah, I think from a timing standpoint, you get to a point where it's a little bit more in rhythm there. Eddie, thank you. Um, we're going to be back Monday and kind of recapping the draft and whatnot. Um you know, without a pick on Thursday night, it's kind of pointless to do a pod late Thursday. We'll have some articles up throughout the draft like I always do and tweet those out. So stay tuned to 1075thefan.com for all of that. He is Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great draft week, and we'll talk to you next Monday. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.